Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror content related, from interviews, reviews, top ten lists, and, well, everything in between. They also have an extraordinary library of podcasts to check out after you finish listening to this episode here. So go do that. Now, last week, we did a very extensive episode on the origins of the werewolf, King Lycan and his sins and the curse that turned him into said werewolf. Well, we're going to continue our trip on Werewolf Lane today. Got a couple of different stories for you, from a skull found in a chained box in Bulgaria to a German murderer, potentially anyway. But first, I just want to go over that poll I put on Twitter, and I asked you which side of the fence I should fall on, Team Werewolf or Team Vampire. And by a 3 to 1 vote, literally, it's Werewolf. So, there you go. I guess I'm on Team Werewolf now. I always lean towards Werewolf, even though vampires are very fascinating, but uh, we won't get into that right now. Let's just start the podcast, shall we? Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. I mentioned off the top that there was a skull found in a chained box. Now, let's just take a second to think about that. The skull, which was found in a chain box, if that's not weird enough, had very strange features to it. It almost looks like a baboon skull, which, well, maybe it is. We'll get to that a little bit later. But the skull is very strange in question. It features a snout and fangs and a mouthful of very sharp teeth. Its eyes are very sunken in, and the snout is very peculiar shaped. And the fact that it was found in a chained box, well, that leads to a lot of superstition. But let's just read about it. This comes from ancientorigins.net, and it's a little bit older, it's from 2014, so I'm a little bit late on the ball on this one, but nevertheless, it's an interesting story. A Bulgarian-born farmer, Trechi Dragonov, claims to have found a box chained shut containing a werewolf-like skull while plowing a new section of a field in the village of Novo Selo in the Republic of Macedonia. The account was reported by Philip Ganev, who spent time in Novo Selo while conducting research for his book on the Balkan Wars. Mr. Ganev met the farmer who showed him the box containing the unusual skull. He reported that the skull appears to be wolf-like with the exception of an enlarged cranium, a trait generally only found in primates. Mr. Ganna photographed the skull and shared them with the government wildlife officials, who concluded that it was likely a wolf that suffered from Paget disease, a condition which causes the skull to increase in size and appear more human-like. Mr. Ganna said that werewolves have been a staple of Balkan folklore since before recorded history. The legends vary from region to region as far as how and why one becomes a werewolf. Some believe that a person is born with the ability to shape shift into said wolf. Babies born with hair are said to have this proclivity. Other regions believe that a person who died in a mortal sin or made some other union with the devil would be reborn as werewolves. 
and that is something we will touch on definitely a little bit later. Though the differences are great, one thing that they all share is how to dispose of a werewolf corpse. Werewolves were always dealt with by an exorcism by a parish priest, decapitation and burning of the body. It was thought that werewolves were to be killed on a Saturday, because that was the day they lay resting in their graves and could be easily be caught. In the case of this Macedonian werewolf, it seems as though it was disposed of properly, at least until it was unearthed by a curious farmer. Traity does not fear that the spirit of the werewolf will be released and he is very proud of his discovery, showing it off to anyone who cares to look. He admits that others in the village do not share his flippant attitude and he feels that it would be better left in the ground. Quote, Many of my neighbors are angry that I disturbed the Vroklak, or werewolf, Trachi said. They say that I will be reborn as a werewolf. If that is not my fate, so be it. What's done is done. It's a very interesting take on werewolves. It's clearly somebody who doesn't believe that he has set his fate to be born again as a werewolf, maybe in another life, maybe after he dies himself. It's uncertain how that mysticism works. Nevertheless, whatever was in that box is a curious find. As I said, it looks almost like a baboon skull, but what would a baboon skull be doing buried in a box in a field in Macedonia found by a Bulgarian farmer? It's almost like a joke. Three guys walk into a bar, find a skull in a box in a different country from where they come from. Anyway, you get the point. Fact of the matter is, it is a strange find and one that is a pretty curious one as well. But I just want to share that with you. That's not going to be the bulk of today's episode. Today's episode is going to feature a German werewolf. And everything that comes out of Germany is just a little bit scarier in my mind. So let's take a look, without further ado, at the werewolf of Bedburg. If you're unfamiliar with German geography, Bedburg is not too far from the city of Cologne which is probably the most populous city next to Bedburg there. And this happened a long, long time ago. We're talking 16th century. We're talking 1582. Now it's said, and this is a report from 2008, that in the late 16th century, the town of Bedburg was terrorized by a diabolical creature that slaughtered its cattle and snatched away its women and children killing them in unspeakable and gruesome ways. The shocked and horrified townspeople feared that they were being victimized by a raving demon from hell, or just as bad, a bloodthirsty werewolf who lived among them. This is the true story of Peter Strumpf, or Stube. Of the reports I've read, they have different spellings, but I think we'll go with the German, or what I perceive to be the German way of spelling it, and that'll be Strumpf. Mr. Strumpf was accused of being the werewolf of Bedburg, whose crimes plunged a German town already beset by political and religious turmoil into an unimaginable nightmare, and whose heinous murders rival the bloody viciousness of any of today's slasher movies. As I said, it all started in Bedburg, Germany in 1582, and Peter Strumpf was a wealthy farmer in the rural community of said Bedburg located in the electorate of Cologne, Germany. 
The community knew him as a pleasant enough widower and father of two adolescent children, whose wealth ensured him a measure of respect and influence. But this was Peter Stubbs' public face. His true nature erupted through some black scar on his soul to satisfy a bloodlust when he donned the skin of a wolf. At the time, Catholicism and Protestantism were at a war for the hearts and minds of the populace, which brought invading armies from both faiths to Bedburg. On top of the warring faiths that was happening, there was also outbreaks of the dreaded Black Plague. So conflict and death were no strangers to the people of the region, which perhaps provided fertile ground for the awakening of Stroom's foul deeds. For many years, farmers around Bedburg were mystified by the strange deaths of some of their cows. Day after day, for many weeks, they would find a cattle dead in the pastures, ripped open as if by some savage animal. The farmers naturally suspected wolves, but this was actually the beginning of Strump's unnatural compulsion to mutilate and kill. This insatiable drive would soon escalate into attacks on his neighboring villagers. First it was children who began to disappear from their farms and homes. Young women vanished from the paths they traveled daily. Some were found dead, horribly mutilated. Others were never found at all. The community was thrown into a panic. Hungry wolves were again suspected and villagers armed themselves against the animals. Some even feared a more devious creature, a werewolf who could walk among them unsuspected as a man then transform into a wolf to satisfy his hunger. This was the case to a degree. Although he did not literally transform into a wolf, Peter Strumpf would cloak himself in the skin of a wolf when seeking his victims. It wasn't until his trial that Stumpf confessed that the devil gave him the magic belt of wolf fur at age 12, that when he put it on transformed him into, quote, the likeness of a greedy devouring wolf, strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like brands of fire, a mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body and mighty paws. When he took the belt off, he believed, he returned to his human state. In the end, Stromp was a deranged serial killer above all else, and over the course of his murderous career, he was responsible for the deaths of 13 children, two pregnant women, and numerous livestock. And these were no ordinary murders. The young women among his victims were sexually assaulted before he tore them apart. With the pregnant women, he ripped the fetuses from their womb and, quote, ate their hearts, panting hot and raw, which he later described as dainty morsels. Oh boy. Small children were strangled, bludgeoned, and throats ripped open with his bare hands. Some were disemboweled and even partially eaten. Lambs and calves were ripped apart and devoured raw. In one instance of a triple murder, Stoomp saw two men and a woman taking a walk just outside the city walls of Bedburg, and he crouched, hidden, out of sight behind some brush. He called out to one of the men by name with the pretense that he needed help with some lumber. When the young man joined him out of sight, Stoomp bashed his head in. When the man didn't return, the second young man went looking for him and likewise was killed. 
Fearing danger, the woman began to flee, but Stumpf managed to catch her. The men's battered bodies were later found, but the woman never was, and it was thought that Stumpf, after raping and killing her, might have eaten her completely. At least one child, though, was lucky enough to have escaped an attack. Several children were playing in a meadow among some cows, as you do in 16th century Germany. Stumpf ran after them, grabbing one small girl by the neck as the other children ran away. Stumpf tried to rip her throat out, but his fingers were prevented from doing so by her stiff, high collar. Practical outerwear, everybody. Remember that. If you want to survive a werewolf attack, high, stiff, conservative collars. Due to the high collar and the struggle, this gave her time to cry out. The cry alerted the cattle, which, fearing the safety of their calves, charged after Stumpf. He realized the girl had fled. The girl had survived. However, it is unknown if she or any of the other children were able to identify Stumpf himself. Perhaps his most fiendish murder, he reserved for his own family. Stumpf had an incestuous relationship with his sister and his own daughter, whom he impregnated. He also murdered his son, which was his firstborn. Stumpf led the boy into the forest, killed him, then ate his brains. Father of the year. By any definition, Peter Stumpf was a monster. Whether or not he was an actual werewolf is a different story. Yet all the while, he remained unsuspected by the townspeople. In the quote, The Damnable Life and Death of Stumpf Peter, written just two years after Stumpf's trial, George Boris wrote, And sundry times he would go through the streets of Colin, Bedbur, and Kipperdet in calmly habit and very civilly, as one well known to all the inhabitants thereabout, and oftentimes was he saluted of those who friends and children he had butchered, though nothing suspected for the same. It's basically an old-timey way of saying everybody knew him, nobody suspected him, and even people whose family he killed would wave to him with a smile on their face. Strumpf must have thought himself invincible through the power of his magic belt, yet it was this belief that ended his reign of terror. When the limbs of several missing people were found in a field, the villagers were further convinced that a ravenous wolf was responsible, and so several hunters set out with their dogs to pursue the predator. Now here's where the story gets a little bit strange, if it wasn't strange enough already. The men hunted the creature for days until at last they saw him, but according to the account they saw and chased down a wolf, not a man. The dogs chased the animal until they had it cornered. The hunters were sure that they were chasing a wolf, but when they came to the spot where the dogs had cornered, there cowered Peter Strumpf. According to George Bohr's account, being trapped with no room for escape, Strumpf removed his magic belt and transformed from the wolf into his human form. The hunters, however, saw no magic belt, as Strumpf later claimed he had, but only an ordinary walking stick in his hand. At first they disbelieved their own eyes, after all Strumpf was a respected longtime resident of the community. How could he be a werewolf? Perhaps this wasn't really Peter Strumpf at all. They reasoned but a devilish trick. 
So they escorted Stroomf to his house and determined that he was indeed the Peter Stroomf they all knew. He was promptly arrested and tried for his crimes. At this point, he was thought now to be a werewolf. Stroomf was brought to trial and was only under pain of torture on the rack that his confession to all the heinous crimes came out, including sorcery, his consort with the devil, and the story of the magic belt. This fact has led some researchers to surmise that Stroomf was, in fact, innocent, that his wild confession was elicited by the torture. Perhaps Stroomf himself was a victim of the superstition and religious rivalry taking place at the time. The fear and conviction of a demon-inspired werewolf might lead people back to the true church. Now, whether or not he was truly a serial killer or a political victim or a werewolf, Stroomf was found guilty on October 28, 1589, and his execution was as gruesome as any of the crimes of which he was accused. Ah, medieval torture. Let's get into it. His body was strapped spread eagle on a large wheel with red-hot pincers. His executioners pulled his flesh from his bones in ten spots. His arms and legs were broken with a large axe, and his head was eventually cut off. On October 31st, Halloween, Peter Stroom's body, along with his daughter and his mistress, both of whom were convicted of aiding and abetting his crimes, were burned at the stake. By a directive of the magistrate, a warning to the other potential devil worshippers was put in place for all to see. The wheel on which Stroomf was tortured was set high upon a pole, from which hung 16-yard long strips of wood, representing his known 16 victims. Atop that was a framed likeness of a wolf, and above the sharpened point of the pole was placed Peter Stroomf's severed head. The only remaining question with this entire situation is, was he a werewolf? Do werewolves actually exist? Well, the jury is still out. Regardless, it seems as though Peter Stroomf was a terrible monster, capable of horrendous deeds which he performed on a regular basis. Does that make him a werewolf though? Hmm, that's a question, and one which I do not have an answer to sadly. Nevertheless, werewolves still fascinate people all over the world. I'm no exception, and I hope you aren't either, because I've done two episodes on this now, and if you aren't a fan, well, I do apologize greatly. There may be some more next week, depends on what I can dig up, but I do hope you enjoyed this week's episode. My name is Casey, and this has been the Ominous Origins Podcast. If you like what you heard, feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts that allow reviews. Any five-star reviews will be read out on the show. So if you want to shout out, that's the best way to do it. Don't forget to follow along on social media as well, on Twitter at HorrorShotsProd, as in production, on Instagram at OminousOriginsPod, or on Facebook, where you can also leave a review, and that's facebook.com slash horrorshots. If you do want to wrap some merch, you can do so at the link in the description. That's a Redbubble store. I know, I know, Redbubble, Redbubble. But it's uh, the easiest and best one I think I can find at the moment. So if you want to wrap some Ominous Origins merch, that's where you can do it. So, until next week...